I tell them all the time, you're better off being great at five things than mediocre at 20. So if you're going to go eat burgers and you're looking for a burger food trailer, I don't expect that you're going to have the best steak because I know you're advertising that you're a burger place or that you might have fish. I mean, if I'm looking for a, a po' boy or something like that, I want to go to that kind of food trailer. So you're not just manufacturing food trailers, you're manufacturing entrepreneurs. Exactly. Hello and welcome, everyone. I am Jory Calkins, the founder and CEO of Enduring Companies and the host of Built to Outlast, a podcast and community for business builders by business builders. We explore the journeys and companies of business builders in America with a focus on traditional small to mid-sized business niches and the strategies which enable them to endure and flourish. If you are building a business now or aspire to build one in the future, this is for you. To join the Built to Outlast community and access episodes, show notes, and other community resources to support your journey, please visit builttooutlast.com. If you have or know a business that may be sold and care who the buyer is, or if you want to buy or build a business and care who you do it with, please visit enduring.co to learn more about us, our long-term approach, and our holding company. Welcome, everyone, for today's show. We are speaking with Gabriel Arguello and Nelly Ortega, who are friends and the owners and uh, leaders of Rent to Own Trailers, which is a provider of customized food trailers in Texas and beyond. Gabriel and Nelly, welcome to the show. Thank Hi. you, Jory. Very excited to have you guys here. I'm really pumped to just jump, jump into your background. Before we do that, I think you all are the first one on the show that I kind of almost consider builders for builders. So I'm super excited to certainly to learn more about your business and for, for everyone to hear about your business. But I think it's a very uh, kind of layered story in terms of how you all are creating opportunities for others and other entrepreneurs and have built a business around that yourself. So I'm excited for this episode. Before we jump into that, I would love if you all could share uh, some of your background. Where are you all from? Where did you meet? How did you guys come to start building and growing rent-to-own trailers? Joey, thank you so much for having us in your podcast. First of all, we appreciate the um, opportunity to help other people. I am originally from Managua, Nicaragua, so Central America. And Nelly, originally, she's from Monterrey, Mexico. And uh, we met technically at the university. But it wasn't until around 2010, 2011, that I moved to McAllen to grow my insurance business. And that's why I kind of re-met, per se, Nelly back in McAllen. It was a long sales cycle. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because we met back in probably 2001. She went to my 21st birthday. um, Bash. Party boat in Austin, Texas. All right, eighty people. So she was one of the eighty. Wow. Well, you guys are way cooler than I was. That's for sure. (laughs) And then we met again ten years later, and that that then that's when we got together and started a family. So you were in Mexico, Nelly, and you were in Nicaragua. You know, obviously, ultimately, you made your way to the U.S. When did you move here, and and did you have personal or educational and professional experiences back home that kind of uh, laid the foundation for moving here and, and building up what you've built up here? So on my side, I do come from an entrepreneur family. My grandpa had farms. Both of my grandfathers had farms, ranchers, cattle, and um, I kind of grew grew up around them. 
And then my dad and my mom, they always had small businesses. I remember them being employees long, like too long, staying too long in too many locations. So that's where I, a family of entrepreneurs, I moved to San Antonio, Texas back in August 1699. I came to study at St. Mary's University. I wanted to be a chef, but my dad convinced me not to be a chef because he said that I didn't have the funds to start the kind of restaurant I wanted. So he told me, <laughs> do business, make money, and then you can own whatever restaurant you want to own. Or you can do both. Exactly. Well, so I, I listened to him. <laughs> I went and I studied entrepreneurial studies. So I'm an entrepreneurial major. Ever since I graduated, I've somehow been lucky enough to own my own business from day one. First as a financial advisor, then I was an insurance agent. I still own my agency after 20-something years. And once I met Nelly, and I'll let Nelly give her background too, but once I met Nelly, you know, ever since we got married and we've been together, we've always done businesses together. So she also comes from an entrepreneurial family. I'll let her kind of give her take. But both of us, from day one, since the marriage, we she had her own business. I had my insurance business, and we got into the restaurants. And uh, we moved, we ended up moving to Houston because we wanted to keep on growing our restaurants. We had four and we moved to Macau, uh, to Houston to open our fifth restaurant. So I graduated from high school in Monterrey. I was 17 years old and uh, my father is an architect. He was an architect in Mexico. And at that time, when I graduated from high school, we moved to uh, Texas and he opened a construction business. I went into right straight into college for construction management. Didn't follow the architectural, but the management I did. So to fall into the same industry of construction, and I worked with my dad for ten years. Uh, he had a, a land development company. Uh, we did several projects together, and I learned a lot from him. And then years passed, and then I met Gabriel. And uh, since that's how what I grew up watching my mother working together with my dad since I can remember that is exactly what I did with Gabriel we we started working together and and uh, we've been partners in life and in business ever since there you go so whatever we get into we we always support each other in the business yeah that's amazing and it's uh it's fascinating that you all had very similar experiences in, in observing kind of parents and grandparents as entrepreneurs do you, it, this might be a hard question to answer because you don't know kind of the the counter experience but but what do you think that experience instilled in you all values wise or otherwise that made you want to follow that path as well well a story that we both share so my mom had a candy factory back in Nicaragua and when i was 6 7 years old I would go to the factory, I would get candy, and I would bring it to school, and I would sell it. <laughs> um, and then I would sell it to the other kids, all the candy. Free candy. I was getting free candy and oh, making money I mean, off it's of hard it. to compete with $0 cost of goods, right? He had a exactly. strategic <laughs> advantage. <laughs> and then I would go with the drivers. I don't remember this, but my parents tell me I would, I would go with the driver to deliver all the candy to the supermarkets. And they said I would I would be the one getting out of the car, getting the boxes, talking to the people. And I was like five, six, seven years old. 
I don't really remember. I remember going with the driver, but you know, it's that kind of a uh, background that I've always had that. And I've always gone to my, to the farms. One of my grandpas even had for four years, a shrimp farm. And I mean, we were young and we would go overnight and we would do it because you do it with the moon and then we would get all the shrimp, but we'd be all all night with all my uncles, all my cousins. It was a family thing, but that was my background. And I think that the example kind of create the, the motto of, you know, always trying to do something, always trying to do something and making money from five, six years old. The sales Always drive. be building. ABB, exactly. always be building. <laughs> and I have a similar story and I do remember it. Uh, it, I was, it was, it was first grade and I, at the school that I used to go, kids used to bring like a coin for the break, uh, the concession stand to go get some candy or, you know, your snacks. So I found a way to make money by making drawings on just a notebook and selling the the the, the drawings, <laughs> so I would get the kids <laughs> uh, candy or snack money, <laughs> and uh, and that was my first business. It was I was six years old, but it was what amazes me or my parents is the the fact to to figure out a way to make money somehow. You know, the monetary part of it for a six year old getting to business and selling something. Then later on, I went to the Sam's Club store and bring all this candy. This was in Mexico, so we didn't have American candy. So I would come to the Sam's store and get this uh, volume candy, American candy, and sell it. And, and I had it on my backpack in the, at, at the, um, when we had the, the break all throughout elementary. And that was fun. It was fun to, to get your own money. So I guess that feeling of achievement of since the early, you know, that is something that... And a story that Nelly tells me is... So the mom would go to the stores and they would buy diapers. Diapers. When Mexico, they didn't have the the, the brands the like brands. Pampers and exactly. di- they they just had uh, no brand. So they were bringing diapers, baby diapers, back to Mexico and selling it in the you know in the around their house. So maybe you would see the example of buying something, bringing it, and yeah, selling and it. Yeah, selling. We had the ex- the examples of having. Uh, Parents that had worked uh, in the commercial, you know, commercial side of business. So, comerciantes. I don't know how to say that in English. Uh, just, you know, being to buy and sell stuff. And that was the example we had. And being exposed to the sales part of it. And, and our parents giving us the opportunity to get exposed to the clientele. And, and, and don't be shy. That really, I think, helped us both right now to get in front of, you know, be able to sell. We need to sell something. <laughs> We have a show in a couple of weeks and, and sorry, and, and we, we plan to bring our girls. So we have a seven and a four year old that go, I mean, that it's yeah. a convention and we want to bring them so that they talk to people as well. So we want to encourage that with them as well. Those are awesome stories. Thank you guys for sharing that. I learned something new every day. I didn't know <laughs> that about you guys. There's probably also some kind of positive feedback loop to hard work, meaning you get out there you kind of take a risk to talk to a stranger or, you know, as your kind of brain and emotion is forming as a child, and then you get a reward for that, you know, you the hard work starts paying off. You see, you know, you make a nickel off of selling a piece of candy or something, and then you you kind of see that flywheel starting to compound. So I think it's, I mean, it's awesome that you guys had that shared experience, and I think it's it's really cool that you're giving it to your your daughters as well. 
I had, um, not to make this boring and about me, but I, I had a very similar experience where I started a rubber band ball business. So I would take rubber bands and make them into balls. And I had I actually had three different sizes. You could get like the starter one, you get a medium sized one, you get a big one. They all had different price points, you know, that sort of thing. And similar to you, Gabriel, my, my source for the rubber bands was actually the, the drawer in my kitchen. So my cost of goods was <laughs> very no. advantaged for, uh, for a while. And even for Christmas, actually that year, I got a few industrial bags of rubber bands from Santa Claus. So my cost of goods stayed pretty low for a while. What ended up killing that business was actually similar similar to you, Nellie. Kids would start spending their lunch money on rubber band. It's, it took off so much kids would start spending their lunch money on the rubber band balls. And so they would come home to their parents starving because they didn't eat any lunch. And there were so many <laughs> complaints to the, to the principal at the school that I got shut down. You know, Over, I got overregulated. <laughs> <laughs> That's a yeah. great story. But yeah, I mean, you get the drive from selling something. It's just fun. It's very, I mean, it's also fulfilling, right? You see the hard work pay off and you see it pay off early on and you kind of get a taste for it. And I think it's great. I think it's something I'd, I think my wife and I would love to be able to give to our kids as well and kind of create that experience for them. So thank you guys for sharing that experience. Let's fast forward the story a little bit. You guys have now met on the party boat. You know, Gabriel has passed the test. Nellie's gonna. We'll probably talk to him again. How do you? How did you guys go from there? And then, I guess to restaurants to to where you all are now in the food trailer business. Can you kind of give a little bit of that that next chapter in the story? So, because of my insurance business, we wanted to offer more products to our customers, not just insurance. So we got familiar with factoring, and we learned about cash advances to restaurants and to small businesses. And we went to New York, we talked to a few banks, built up a couple of relationships and offering this service to restaurants. We got our hands on a restaurant that was the owners wanted to sell. So a couple of friends and, and us, we ended up buying the restaurant. And long story short, in three years, we had developed already four more restaurants out of the first experience. Uh, we liked it. That's pretty it fast was, for restaurants, right? That's a that's a pretty rapid growth. Yes, um, and we created a concept. It was fairly unique. I mean, it's a sushi restaurant, but have you ever been to like Salata, where you get to create your own salad and that style of restaurant? So it was like that, but for sushi. You could create a bowl with rice or a roll, and then that did really well. So we expanded that same idea to ceviche. I don't know if you know what ceviche is. But it's the raw fish, which we were used to handle and uh, with lime. Would you do that out of the same restaurant or were you just leveraging the back of the kitchen and doing no, it? No, we, we had to get a second second location. Nowadays, I would probably do it a little bit different. I would use it more like a ghost kitchen. So one kitchen can do several type of foods. But I, we learned that, that that concept is not that old. It's fairly new. So nowadays, I would probably do some sort of a restaurant that you can actually sit down and a ghost kitchen. But um, we ended up trying to find the locations where to grow, and we decided on Houston. So we moved to Houston, and we got a location on Westheimer, you know, one of the most, the main streets here in Houston. But the permits that we thought they were going to take, you know, three, four months, ended up taking about a year, year and a half. 
So we moved to Houston. We bought a house. We moved the family. And here we were just not knowing what to do. So just driving around, there were a lot of food trucks and a lot of food carts. And I just came up with the idea of why don't we do that while we open the restaurant? Let's try. Let's let's give it a try so we can test the menu. So you're trying it for yourself at first. Exactly. So we wanted to do a small scale to see if the big scale was going to work while we were building. And Nelly was the, actually the one building. That's her background. So she was the contractor for the building. Construction manager. Construction manager. There you go. <laughs> so I, some fees. I, I, you see, I try to keep on saving costs everywhere <laughs> I can. So. <laughs> Listen, you got to keep those costs, just like your cost of goods was zero, you know, from the exactly. get-go. Exactly. There you go. So we ended up opening the restaurant, I mean, the, the food trailer. And at the beginning, it was rough. You know, the first day, 50 bucks. Second day, 70 in three months, we were opening the second location because we were doing phenomenal. But it took oh, wow. us a while because at the beginning, nobody knows your menu. Nobody knows your flavor. Nobody knows, you know, they don't trust the place. Plus, seafood on a food truck, I don't know. It's got to be really clean. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, so how, so tell me about that. Rent. I mean, that's a, from $50 a day to a couple months down the road, being able to do a second food trailer food truck. how did you get the word out? How did you go from $50 a day to what, I don't know what, a how many dollars a day, a, you know, thriving food truck does, but that's got to be 50 to some much bigger number, probably. What was that truck doing six months later? So a strategy that we used was the menu and we had the same menu with two pricing. So the first price was regular price. And then you would get 10% discount if you would do a check-in on Facebook or, or Yelp. <laughs> so if they would show us on their phone that they actually checked in that they were there, we would give them the 10% discount. Now, it was all built out. The normal price was the 10% discount. There you go. So you would actually have to pay more not to do my advertising. <laughs> so we did that in our restaurants. And that's how we kind of ruled the restaurant side. And just, I mean, we were in a good corner. It's unbelievable. I My clients tell me, you know, where do I go? Where do I find a location? Where, how do I find a location? And I tell them, look, the places that you think they're going to say yes, they'll probably say no. And the place that where you really want to be and you think they're going to say no, they'll tell you yes. So don't stop asking. Just go. You already have the no. So might as well go get the yes. Only one way to find out. Just got to ask. Exactly. So we were in a good location. It was a really good corner, really busy. And um, we ended up opening that one. I brought one of my chefs from the restaurant. I brought him to my house. They were living with us for four, six months. We helped him with school. We helped him with, I mean, even getting eye surgery. I just wanted the guy to be, you know, no expenses. He wasn't paying rent because he was helping me grow my business. Yeah, before to get into that, because that that's an, that transition is an exciting and cool start part of the story. But before we get into that, could we just talk a sec about locations and how so our locations, do you get a permit for a location or, you know, how, how do you find a good location and how does that become or does it become your location and does that vary city to city or, you know, how, how does that work? Because a location seems to matter in, in retail. If you have a location, if you own a property and somebody wants to park in your property, they got to ask you permission. So like if they want to go in your parking lot or something like that. Exactly. And most cities... 
require that you get a letter from the land from the owner of the property that they can use the restroom because the employees at the food trailer they need to go they need to be able to go you know number one number two and wash their hands so the property owner has to give them permission and then each business each trailer they need to go register with the health department and they need to go get their own license because even though it's the trailer passing the inspection it's actually the business applying for the permit and does the trailer pay any sort of rent to the whoever's parking lot they're in is, do they get or is it are they kind of just in beneficial locations and benefiting from the traffic or what's in it for the the landlord or the the owner of the property rent they charge a rent usually i mean back in the back when i started it was probably between five and seven hundred dollars. Now it's probably between eight hundred and two thousand dollars for a location. Wow! Depending on the traffic, depending on how much space they give you. There are some cities that allow you to put chairs. Other cities that don't allow you to put chairs outside. So it really depends on what side of town you're in. Food parks are a really good idea if you want to get into this kind of business because not everybody is going to eat, let's say, burgers. You know, they're not going to eat burgers every day. And if, or let's say they're going to go with the family. Well, you know, the kid might not want a sushi roll, but they might want a chicken or fries or a snow cone, you know. So having that variety actually helps, in my opinion. You know, people think, well, I'm going to be by myself. I'm going to do amazing. Well, you know, if you're by yourself somewhere, that means that, you know, you're probably not the only genius who tried it there. And they're not. <laughs> You're there by yourself because of a reason. But when you are close to the competition, I mean, my take is more people go towards that area because there's more options. So therefore, you're going to get more traffic anyway. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I was always surprised by, I, I agree with you, but initially I always thought that that didn't make a ton of sense when I heard of that strategy. Not in, not necessarily in this space, but just in retail in general that you kind of co-locate in a similar area as competitors or at least competitors to some extent, but it draws the foot traffic and, you know, everyone kind of benefits from that. You benefit from the other, the competition's advertising. Yeah. Just like the original uh, 10% off for uh, Facebook. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you guys are social media gurus. So that we, was at the and, beginning. That was at the beginning. And we, I, I, we were the first that I can think of. I mean, nobody, I didn't, we didn't copy from anybody. We just wanted to give a discount, but in exchange of what? So Facebook was, mouth, yeah. you know, 10 years ago, Facebook was the thing. There was no Instagram, no anything else. So checking on Facebook, I will give you a discount. So everybody would see that you came into my restaurant. It's great. Original, the original social media marketers. <laughs> <laughs> I cut you off before because I just wanted to learn a little bit more about that, which is fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. Can you talk through how you went from, you know, your own trailers to building that into a, you know, a rent to own, which is the the larger company and maybe in doing that can describe what rent to own is and does, you know, as an enterprise that's grown into a pretty pr impressive operation. So back in the, about five years ago, Houston changed the law that if you were selling tacos out of a hot dog cart, you needed a trailer. So I mean, if you had a hot dog cart, two hot dogs. But if you wanted to sell tacos or anything else that were hot that were not hot dogs, you had to get a trailer. So I was in a gas station, and next to me, 
there was a taqueria. So Freddie was my number. He was next to me. He was our. He was the first person who who kind of I helped. He would come up with his kids. The wife would go and help. I mean, it was a it was a family thing, and they always had people. They had really good food, and they were selling out of a a little car pot, like like a car garage, like a tent per se. And they changed the law, and he had to get a food trailer, but he didn't have the money to buy one. So I knew them for about three, four months already with my first unit. And, you know, I saw them struggling and with the idea and how they were going to buy it, how are they going to pay it? So I called my dad and I said, Dad, you know, Freddie next to me can, you know, you want to help him out? Why don't we charge him something? But let's help him. He doesn't know where to buy it. He doesn't know how to pay it. So we bought a trailer for him and we technically financed the first deal. Okay. As soon as he got his trailer, it took about three months to get built. As soon as he got his first trailer, you know, one of his friends asked him, well, how'd you do it? Well, Gabriel bought it for me and I'm paying it. <laughs> so then I called Marcel, which you met Marcel. He's one of my business partners here. Um, and I said, Marcel, you want to do this? You know, this is the second guy that's been in business for three, four years. They, they have this. So I explained uh, why they needed to change. And Marcel said... I'll do half and half with your dad. So my dad was in in the second deal as well. Then we put an ad on Facebook on Market Marketplace just to see if maybe we were into something more 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 people needed help. And sure thing, we put an ad and the third deal I called Marcel did on his own. A fourth deal I called another friend of mine in San Antonio. And by the sixth deal, we knew we were into something because we were getting a lot of calls. So we started working on cash flows to see how much we would, you know, how much money we would need. And I convinced eight of my friends and family to give me money so I can start financing, per se, you know, food trailers for other people. So the rest is history. Of, yeah. Instead of financing, we, we developed that rent own program, which is we would hold the title, you know, we would put GPS, we, we insure the trailer, we make sure it, and they're paying it to us. They're renting it and they own it on the last payment. So as an entrepreneur to, to own a business that helps other entrepreneurs get started or grow or continue their business, I mean, to me, it's, it's an awesome business. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's, it's, um, it's a great business, but also probably very fulfilling, you know, just, just knowing you all and, and knowing the space. And I love how kind of almost organically you all got there in terms of doing it for yourself and then, you know, doing it for Freddie and then, you know, the next five, 10, et cetera, came after that. It's, it's uh, one of the things I've observed in a number of these conversations is that great opportunities sometimes come out of just doing something nice for someone else and extending, you know, trust and help. And that actually turns into a business. So this is actually either the second or third conversation where, you know, you all were just being good neighbors for Freddie and helping him, you know, stand up his business, but that kind of in turn flowed back and and started a great uh, business for you all. So I think it it's just very cool to having had a number of these conversations. Observe how extending kind of trust and a helping hand to someone, you know, comes back full circle. I'd love to uh, talk a little bit about just how it works with the rent-owned business. So can you talk about kind of the archetypical customer and and how they come to you and what the process is when they come to you? 
who is it that's your customer? How do you find them? Uh, or how do they find you? And then, you know, what's the, what's the process look like for them? Most of our clients come from social media. They come from word to mouth and obviously local business. We, we have signs, we have Google, we have, I mean, we're try, we try to be in most of the big social medias. We do post, we pay for ads, not that much. We're going to start doing that more aggressively now. There's more competition, there's more builders, people want to get into this business faster. So it is the first time in, I want to say, four and a half years that we find ourselves that we want to obviously to keep on growing. We want to invest a little more in marketing. We hired a person who does videos. They record the deliveries of each trailers. We do stories on our clients. We try to keep up with them as far as how they're doing. We hired also a business coach that helps our customers kind of grow their business and stay. And he has a big following on Facebook and Instagram. I think 24,000 people follow him for advice on food trucks. So he, he, we, we partner up with them for that. So we're trying to stay active on social media. But the process is very simple. I mean, we do have an application. They call in. We explain the program. We also have a video online. We're trying to make the process so that it's more automatic on the website. Just go on the website, watch the video, look at the pricing. If you're interested, apply, and then we'll contact you to make sure that the trailer has everything you need not only to pass inspection, but to for you to be able to cook your menu. But the process is very simple. There's an application. We don't check for credit. At the end of the day, we own the unit, so it's not a purchase. It's You're going to own it. You're going to rent it for two years and own it for life. How about that? That's the new, that's the new company slogan. That. You're a marketer, <laughs> an entrepreneur and a marketer. I guess they're so, one and the same a lot of times. Yep. We always have to be selling. Always be closing. There you ABC. <laughs> ABB and ABC. Always be building and always be closing. Correct. How many customers do you have or kind of trailers in the market do you have right now? If you had to guess, obviously rough estimate. We've done over 900 deals in the past five years. And currently we have, I want to say close to 320, between 320 and 330 deals. So that's 330 entrepreneurs that are out there making payments to us and growing their business. We do about 20 to 30 units a month. Can you describe some of the uh, process of, you know, how the entrepreneur, once they found their way to you through, you know, marketing, social media, et cetera, how they decide what trailer they want and how you all kind of help them, you know, design it and build it? So most of the people, they don't really know what they want. They know they want to get into the business because they might be great cooks. Unfortunately, not everybody's a great business owner when you're a cook, meaning you got to be both if you're going to come into this business. They have the idea. They know what they want to cook, but most of them come with a restaurant background or servers or restaurant management. And the mentality on a food trailer is a little different because you want to keep that line moving all the time. So if your menu is big, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to keep that line moving and you're going to make more money because you're giving more options. I tell them all the time, you're better off being great at five things than mediocre at 20. So if you're going to go eat burgers and you're looking for a burger 
food trailer, I don't expect that you're going to have the best steak because I know you're advertising that you're a burger place or that you might have fish. I mean, if I'm looking for a, a po' boy or something like that, I want to go to that kind of food trailer. So you're not just manufacturing food trailers, you're manufacturing entrepreneurs. Exactly. The idea here is they're not buying only a trailer. They're opening a business. I mean, they're investing in their future and their dreams. They're trying to create a business. They're trying to better themselves. They're trying not to follow the corporate, but make the dream, you know, have a second unit or, or build themselves into a brick and mortar. That's the goal for most of them. I got some customers making more money on a trailer than they would ever make out of brick and mortar. But good for them. Yep. And whatever whatever way it works, right? <laughs> Correct. But no, the idea is to help them out as much as possible. I was and I was gonna ask it. So you shared a little bit about kind of the ecosystem around, you know, not just getting them a trailer, but helping them build their business. Can you share a little bit more about what and you all have seen, you know, nine hundred plus of these entrepreneurs that you've helped, you know, get their businesses up and running. Do you have a sense for now that you've seen that many, are there different traits or attributes or backgrounds or uh, concepts or, you know, that, that lend themselves more to being success, successful in this space or, or, or just in general? Do you have any observations from that? And, and then secondly, you know, what sorts of ecosystem are you thinking about building in the future around supporting these entrepreneurs? Because you've kind of created a, a big pipeline of entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial businesses that you're creating. And, and it's not just an eco, it's not just a pipeline. It's, it's growing to be an ecosystem. So I'd love to hear how you've thought about that going forward. Look, an attribute that I would say they, most of them share the ones that do well is consistency. I mean, it's, it's hard work. If a restaurant is hard, a food trailer, it's harder because we don't have the space. You don't have the space to, that you have in a restaurant. Cisco is not bringing the food to you. When you say consistency, do you mean showing up every day and doing the work? Correct. Or do you mean consistency of the, so consistency of effort and, and Correct. showing up? Doing the work, getting up every day, doing the things that you need to do. Obviously, in a food trailer, it's important to have good food. <laughs> I mean, if you're not cooking with passion and you don't enjoy what you do, that flavor is not going to go into the food. Is not gonna. They're not. The clients are not gonna be able to taste it. If you love what you do, if you look, if you enjoy cooking and sharing your art with, you know, customers, they're gonna feel it. They're gonna come back. They're gonna tell their friends. So, good customer service with good food. I mean, it can't go wrong. I've had a range from food trucks, by the way. I've had amazing food, and I've had food that uh, was not not amazing. So, I I totally agree. Consistency and showing up, but then having a great product. And if you, if you get both of those, you're in a good spot. I mean, nowadays with inflation, one of my customers who they do really well. I mean, they, they do, I want to say, thirty to $40,000 a week. They have four units. Wow. Yeah, it's, they, they do amazing. And they do $1.50 tacos. $1.50 tacos. And he had to raise his price to one seventy five, And people are complaining. But it's just <laughs> the reality. I mean, everything's going up. And keeping that great flavors with trying to keep the cost down you know sometimes it's hard people want to make more money employees are asking for more the food cost is going higher but the consistency of showing up doing it again doing it right it's what i think it's the success because it's 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 very easy to say that's it no more i'm tired 
that's the easy way. Yep. I totally agree. In the back of my mind, I'm just doing the math of how many tacos $40,000 yeah. a week is. That is a whole mess of tacos. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Weekly. Yes. That is crazy. Good for them. I'd be remiss if I'd, I didn't ask you all about the ecosystem, the broader ecosystem you're building to support these entrepreneurs that you're kind of enabling and, and helping take their first jump. And, and you mentioned a little bit about kind of the business coach and that sort of thing. But can you talk about the broader ecosystem that's now kind of springing up around what you've built and how you all are kind of growing and supporting that that ecosystem to help all those builders flourish? So our business coach, he wrote the book, literally. You can find it on Amazon. It's called Food Trending 101. He wrote the book on how to build a food trailer business. And his name is Bill Moore. And he's just excellent with them. He helps them out with you know how to open permits he's very supportive he has a lot of experience so that's one of the main ones but also here in the shop we help them out with setting them up with the right people meaning you know if we can tell you where to buy the food depending on what city you're going to be you know go to restaurant depot if you need logos we got people here that can help you with your logos and your marketing if you need help with food cost and permits, we got people that can kind of guide you on that. So the better you do, the better we do. If I if if, if you grow, I grow. Uh, kind of mentality. It's a great kind of self-fulfilling cycle where the more successful the entrepreneurs are that that you're able to, you know, help take their leap, the more uh, service providers you all work with, then that more helpful you can be to the next kind of cohort of trailer entrepreneurs, tra food trailer entrepreneurs. So I love, it, it's a fascinating, and I think you mentioned this, but it's, it must be very kind of fulfilling to you all, you know, to be able to do that and see a, a lot of these people literally transform their lives thanks to not just the food trailer that, that you've built them, but, but the ecosystem that you've kind of built to help them launch what they're trying to do. Yep. Unfortunately, not everything is positive all the time. We work more with certain clients that they're not doing well and trying to create that support. But it, at the end of the day, look, it's it's amazing what all these guys are doing by taking the risk. I mean, they're, they are investing and, and we have to step back, back a little bit sometimes and we got to put ourselves in, in their shoes. They're investing, let's say, a down payment of twelve fifteen thousand dollars $15,000. That might be their entire savings. It might be college funds for their kids. It might be... And they're willing to take the risk and start their own thing. And they don't necessarily know how to do everything well. So the more we can help them, the better for us. Yeah, and the better for everyone. Yep. Better for them, better for you all. You know, you guys are empowering the American dream. So appreciate you for that, for sure. Thank you. We're trying. One trailer at a time. Well, there you go. ABB, ABT, always be trying, <laughs> always be building, always be closing. We've got a lot of ABs. Well, so before we uh, get to kind of the closing um, question, I'd love to hear about kind of what you all are thinking about next for Rent-to-Own. Where are you going from here? Is it growing, you know, the number of entrepreneurs? Is it expanding the ecosystem? Is it all of the above potentially? Where are you going from here? We are developing a call center for us so that we can service the warranties better so that we can do more inbound calls. So we can be more efficient with calling people as well. So we are focusing on that, which is the next step within the next two months. We're creating a call center. And then 
it was in our plans to open a second location in a strategic place. But after doing more research and and actually going to the place and and see everything that I wanted to see, we came to the conclusion that there's, there's more to do here to be able to support that growth. So we're getting ready here in the location that we have to be able to maybe double our sales before we start thinking about that second location for the growth. So obviously we do want to have multiple locations. It helps with uh, warranties. It helps with access to more people, access faster. But we have so much work to do here still in one location uh, before we start seeking a second location. But we have the call center. We've been thinking about marketing strategies online. We are changing our website. We are investing in more staff, training them. We're getting more salespeople. So we're getting ready. ABB. Yeah. You know, investing more in marketing. I know I said at the beginning, but that's the goal. The goal right now is marketing. That's great. It's been exciting to get to know you all uh, over the last while and to see all this growth. And I think you guys are in a great market. You've got a great product. And, you know, I believe in you guys, certainly. Before we close out, I always ask this question to every guest. Uh, It's kind of modeled after the take a penny, leave a penny uh, dish at a gas station or convenience store, uh, but more oriented towards kind of our community of business builders. So the the first question for you all is, you know, a a leave one, leave a penny, leave leave a thought. What is something specific, either a business insight or a trick or a book or a habit that's been very helpful to you all in, in bu- building your business and, and your lives that you think would be helpful to share with our community. And then and then the follow-on question will be, you know, if our listeners and community could wave a magic wand and help you all with something, what would that be? Would that be, um, you know, an, a, a perfect investor partner to help you all grow? Would it be um, sourcing um, entrepreneurs for, you know, new trailers? What What could that be that we could do? So I'll let you all take it from here on the first one. What uh, what penny or thought uh, would you, would you want to leave for the community? Well, I guess we want to leave something that we, has worked for us in the business is that we don't sell just a product. We uh, sell the benefit and we try to wrap around the whole, it's a sales process. It's still a sales process. We, we try to make it in a way for the customer to understand how him and his family are going to benefit from this business. We sell the future and then everything else falls into the product and the helping them pick the correct, the, the right product that they're going to be needing to fulfill their, their plans. I love that. I love the sell the benefit because especially for you all and Gabriel, this goes back to what you were saying before, but you know, your, your customers are often bet in the farm, right? And so they don't want to go and work with kind of a fly-by-night trailer manufacturer that's just going to crank out a trailer. They they want an ecosystem that they can trust that's been proven. And you guys have, have built that flywheel up and that reputation up. So good for you for both saying it, but also doing it and building it. So thank you for, for leaving that tidbit. It certainly worked out for you all, and I think will work out for, for a lot of folks. On that note, what is something that, you know, if we had a magic wand, you'd like for our community to to help you with? Well, everybody would have a a magic wand is to create awareness of our program because we're trying to reach more people and most of them may get discouraged even 
by not having anybody to help them. I mean, you can go anywhere and buy a, a trailer. And once you take the unit, if you can pay it, the whole thing, or if you can find somebody to finance it, then, you know, bye-bye, good luck. The builder doesn't care whatever happens to you. With us, it's a two, even a three-year relationship. So I would love to be more out there, create awareness of what we do and how we help entrepreneurs grow and get started or, you know, take their catering business to the next level or take their existing business and, and building more locations to create and increase their marketing. So awareness, that would be my How to my create wish. more awareness of our program. Thank you for, for sharing that. That's a, a very reasonable ask and, and something I think a lot of a lot of people in the space should be interested in, especially if they're uh, looking to build something and, and make a bet on something. Much better to work with the group that's done 900 of them before and, and is, you know, taking a long-term view on supporting the ecosystem than a, you know, a one-off uh, fly-by-night bet. So appreciate you guys. Appreciate everything you're doing. And uh, I love... Uh, I love that you guys are building a business for builders. So there's multiple multiple levels here and, and have been multiple levels of this conversation. So thank you guys very much. Thank you, Jory. Sure. Thank you for having us. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the episode. To join the Built to Outlast community and access episodes, show notes, and other community resources, please visit builttooutlast.com. If you have or know a business that may be sold and care who the buyer is or want to build a business and care who you do it with, please visit Enduring.co to learn more about us, our long-term approach, and our holding company. 